There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Ram fans? You listen to Turf Show Radio. This is Van Ram. I'm emphatic today. I'm here to take care of business. With me taking care of business, as always, 3K. 3K, what's going on? I eat vegetables. Just vegetables? Nothing else? That's it, man. That's, that's how I'm starting the show. I eat vegetables every day, baby. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, it's good. Everybody should eat vegetables every single day. Vegetables are good for you. They're good and good for you. And if you fry them in and if you cook them in enough bacon fat, you can't even yeah. tell the difference between vegetables and meat. That's what I'm talking about. Well, bacon technically is a vegetable, so. Technically. It's brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vegetables can it's be got, brown, it's got right? Two Potatoes. Two vowels. That's right. That's right. Hey, 3K, let me pivot using one of my patented awkward transitions. Here we go, here we go. Speaking of vegetables, the St. Louis Rams lost a pretty ugly game last week. Huh? How's that for transition? (laughs) (laughs) That was nice, that was nice. (laughs) It's been a while, but, you know, I brought the good stuff today, 3K. I just want to tell you, I'm going to tell all the people out there in Radio Land, watch out. So so what's the what's the deal, man? We talking? Are we? Do we have to discuss? Well, I had my transition. Really I didn't there? have a I didn't have a sentence to go with after the transition. I just had the great transition. So <laughs> I don't think I have a sentence to go with it either. It kind of stands on its own. Yeah, that was that was a bad game, man. That was a. Uh, it's an ugly loss. The point being, it's yeah. an ugly loss, and it, the Rams got to get over it this week. It's a tough week to be getting over it against the Chargers team that is better than their record would seem to indicate. Um. Think you can do a 3K? Yeah, I don't see why. I think the real issue is that, you know, it's almost the opposite. You know, going into Detroit, we were a team that had, you know, two-game winning streak. Things were looking up. Bradford's improving. Now it's almost the opposite. Now you come out of a loss where you get blown out. There aren't almost any positives you can take out the game. Mark Clayton, number one wide receiver, is gone for the season. So it's almost the opposite. You know, the issue with Detroit was how do you deal with the expectations and the the improving level of the team. Now it's almost how do you stop this from snowballing? I, I don't I don't see why they can't, but it's a uh, it's a it's a large task. It's a large task at hand. Well, it's tough because you know it seemed like it, the Detroit game it it snowballed. I think from the get go you had the you had the play where Mark Clayton got injured, and then that was the same drive where Amendola fumbled the uncharacteristically fumbled the ball inside the ten yard line turns it over, and it's, it was just all downhill from there for the Rams. I mean, completely and totally, wheels come off, train wreck, tracks are torn up. It was awful. Putrid performance all around. The defense, the offense. And, you know, we had a couple posts on the site this week looking back at maybe kind of the fluke factor of it all. And, you know, 
And I guess that's what worries you about a game like that and what also maybe, you know, bolsters you a little bit about a game like that is you see that. You look at the defense. Our defense hasn't been that bad this season. It hasn't been as bad as they played against Detroit. They've played some, de- you know, they've played some decent teams so far this year. They haven't had the toughest schedule in the league. Um, you know, they, they've played some decent teams, but, you know, they've never, never just stunk up the field like that. The offense, on the other hand, it seems like there were kind of some – some of the issues that were exposed with the offense were that they've had all season were exposed against Detroit. Trouble in the red zone. Trouble getting kind of the matchups going with the, you know, with receivers and Steven Jackson and, and you know the, what they're doing, what they're doing down there. Uh, yeah, you want to start with the let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Three K. What your thoughts? The the real defense versus the Detroit game. You know, it's tough because in football you don't get really, really large sample sizes. When you talk about baseball, you know, you got a 162-game season. you got guys with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of at-bats. When you're talking about football and even specific players, you may talk about a guy who a quarter of his season is 12 specific plays. When you talk about a wide receiver, you know, somebody who ends up with – 30 catches over a quarter of a season is having a pretty good season in terms of possession. So the sample size in and of itself is difficult to assess. But I think there, there are certain positives that I think are obvious, even, even in the Lions game. Number one is that coverage, the coverage of our corners is pretty strong. Even if you look at the yeah. touchdown that Calvin Johnson had, Bradley Fletcher was there. It's just that he's not tall, nearly as tall and doesn't have nearly the hops that Calvin Johnson has. But few people do. But the coverage was there, and that's the kind of thing that you want to see because you want to make sure that your corner is in position to make plays. If he doesn't consistently, well, that's an issue, and that's something somebody like Terrence Newman at the Cowboys has has pained Cowboys fans with for years. But having them in position in the first place is is a prerequisite because without it, obviously, the guy's going to be wide open, and you're giving them easy catches. You have to have coverage, and Bartell and Fletcher have had that. Now, the drops, you know, on interceptions by Bartell, it's been painful, but the coverage has been good. Safeties are doing what they need to do, whether it's Dahl, Butler, or Togway. You know, the, the, there's coverage issues in the pass game, but run-wise they've been pretty solid. And Togway and uh, yeah. even Butler have been solid in the turnover game. James Laurinaitis is a beast. Chris Long is consistent but not flashy. Those are the kind of things you can build on. But the obvious issues for me, the obvious real deficiencies are outside linebacker and the rest of the defensive line. We, we're just absolutely unable to get any consistent pressure out of a four-man front. And, and if that's the issue, yeah, you have to look at how, how the blitz game is going to work in, and I think we're having difficulty figuring that out right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about the defensive line against Detroit this week. You know, it seemed like heading into that game it was a favorable matchup. It certainly wasn't, you know, compared to the first four games of the season, it wasn't any, you know, dramatically different offensive line that we, you know, were facing against Detroit. But, you know, you look at James Hall, a guy who's been who's – been pretty solid so far this season heading into week five, was really kind of held back against – Jeff Backus. Um, Chris Long, he, he came into the Detroit game with 22 quarterback pressures. I, I think, I can't tell you how many hits, but, you know, several quarterback hits, a, a, a nice sampling of quarterback hits and half a sack. Detroit game, he was limited to just two quarterback pressures, one hit, two pressures. That's, you know, compared to what he had been doing on the season, that wasn't much. So it was a weak outing from the defensive line, and we saw all through the game that they struggled to get pressure with that front four, which is something like, you look back at Seattle and they've done pretty well. Uh, talking about the coverage, 
the coverage with the cornerbacks was great. The issue that they seemed to be having was, like you said, with the outside linebackers, that coverage in the middle with the yeah, slot receivers, the tight ends. I mean, that's where they, you know, the D- Detroit passing game, which wasn't, you know, you know, you go back and you look at the yardage totals and the overall counting stats like that. It, they didn't just have a, you know, a, a, an impressive day stat sheet-wise. Now they obviously had the points to show for it. But, you know, tight ends were making catches over the middle. The slot receivers were making catches over the middle. I mean, that's where the Rams had real problems, and that's where they've had some problems this season. You go back to the Arizona game, you look at Steve Breston. I mean, you know, he had 100 and some yards working out of the slot like that. And I guess the thing you worry about a little bit with that is Antonio Gates, who, who's a tight end, I realize that, but, you know, he's that kind of dominant player, sort of like a Calvin Johnson can be. He doesn't need 100 yards to, to do his damage. He just needs to... You know, he just needs to have a little bit of room here and there, and, and he can he can work it. How do how do they how does the defense this week come in and respond to an Antonio Gates, and not to mention, a, you know, a San Diego passing game that's all downfield all the time? Yeah, it, it's a tough it's a tough assignment because San Diego can pass. They got they got legitimate targets. You know, Malcolm Floyd and Legadu Nani. They're not, they're nice complementary receivers, and they've they've racked up stacks with Philip Rivers at the back despite the fact that San Diego's gone without Vincent Jackson, somebody the Rams fans are dying for, and he hasn't played a down yet for the Chargers this season. I I think the difficulty, especially when you talk about Gates, is when when you look at a defense that is struggling, maybe, you know, sometimes you can identify one person who's struggling and teams constantly attack that or a mismatch that they're trying to exploit. The problem is that we have pockets almost geographically on the field that we can't cover. And it's both personnel that's an issue and system problem. The system that we have as our cornerbacks lining up and taking the wide receivers out, but assigning those specific spots on the field to linebackers. And it's becoming a real issue because our linebackers just don't have the recognition and quickness skills to be able to keep up with the people that are attacking those slots, whether it's slot receivers, tight ends, running backs coming out of the flat and cutting back in. We've seen that to be an issue. And it's something that the system demands of those outside linebackers, and so far they're just not able of of holding that spot down. So I I don't know. I I don't know how you know, with the same personnel and the same system going into this game that you you suddenly fix it. I don't know that there's an answer. No, it's a tough one, and it's a tough, you know, it's a game that's going to present some some matchup problems with the Rams, especially when you've got, a you know, a dominant guy like Antonio Gates. Now, you look back, and, and they limited a pretty talented tight end and tight ends in Chris Cooley and John Carlson, but I think Gates is kind of, you know, uh, in as good as those two guys are, I think Gates is in a little bit different class. He is. He definitely is. And And the thing that he's got more than those two is both height and athleticism, but also a physicality in his game. Antonio Gates can shake anybody off physically. He's just too big and too strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. And I don't know what, you know, I I guess their top coverage linebacker seems to really be kind of Chris Chamberlain, who's also known more for, you know, being that ace on special teams. But he's out this week. He's probably out. He might be out next week, too. He was still pretty limited in practice a while. Actually, I don't think he played in practice all practiced all week. So, you know, it may be a while before Chamberlain gets back on the field, and that's a you know that's a concern for the Rams. Um, you know, special teams too. You look at you know you look at the special teams game against Detroit last week, and that was a big problem for the Rams. Not just because of the touchdown return, but you know they were giving up some giving up some yardage on 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 the returns, the few kicks they did have. So. It's a it's a it's a tough tough matchup all around. 
And and that's one area where the Rams have actually actually got to win is special teams, only because not not because of the strength of our special teams, certainly not, but the weakness of San Diego. San Diego special teams have been the worst in the league this year. That it's the only reason that they're not a better team in the win and loss column. They're killing the ball on offense both in the passing game and a solid running game, although Ryan Matthews hasn't really broke out as a rookie yet, but I think he will. They got a solid offensive line and with Marcus McNeil back, he's gonna really help that offense. Defensively they're incredibly strong at all different at all four levels of the game. But their special yeah. teams has been so bad. It has been so horrendous that it, that's the only reason they probably aren't even undefeated. So, that, I mean, if, if well, you're looking at one area yeah, where the Rams yeah. could really get their value back in improving its special teams. Go ahead, man. Oh, they have to. I mean, you know, the special teams were a disaster last week. And, and you know, and it's not just the, the part of special teams that you, you usually look at and see as a problem when in terms of coverage and, and returns and things like that. But even the kicks, I mean, you know, the missed – Missed field goals and block. I mean, block field goals have been already two block field goals. That's twice as many as they had last season. Um, you know, they just got to fix stuff like that. You got to work around the edges when you've got deficiencies elsewhere on the roster that are kind of hard to hard to shore up with. You know, with what you have in house in terms of player talent. But you know, uh, Seattle. I'm just going to say Seattle um, came into the St. Louis game with a win over the Chargers thanks to two special teams touchdowns, two kick return touchdowns. Um, Oakland beat them on special teams last week. I mean, that's why San Diego's two and three. Same yeah, same record as the Rams, I might add. It's an area the Rams are going to have to exploit this week. And not just in terms of, like you said, not just limiting it on the defensive side of special teams, but also it's making making the most out of your opportunities. The Rams don't get a whole lot of opportunities to score points. We just don't have the talent in offense and an explosive enough game plan to be able to give us, you know, consistent opportunities. So one of the keys is that we've got we've got to make the most of them. And when you've got to play, you know, you've got a situation where Amendola goes down and fumbles the ball in the red zone, that's just not taking points off the board. It's removing one of the few scoring situations that you're going to get all game and coming away with yeah. nothing. A blocked field goal is the same, the same you know, circumstance. And, and the Rams of this season can, just can't afford it. We can't. No, and that's the two. I mean, you know, and that changes kind of the nature of the game, too. I've, the Rams get down and they, you know they're inside the ten yard line on that on that play where Amendola fumbles the ball last week and you know they, if they score a touchdown all of a sudden they're up uh, by a sizable margin it changes the nature of the game you saw that against Seattle you saw that against Washington the Rams get a lead and the defense has a little more leeway to get aggressive you know the front four you know it changes kind of what you see out of the front four even a little bit and that's a you know that's a that's why a lead for the Rams is even more important, which I guess that leads me to my next point, which is in a big area of concern is the offense. Now, Sam Bradford has, by all accounts, been impressive for a rookie, but you know he's coming into this week with one less weapon to work with without Mark Clayton. That's a real, real issue, I think, for this team. You look at their red zone performance, which has been terrible, terrible red zone performance. And I have an issue related to that I want to get to in a little bit, with Steven Jackson and some play calling in the red zone. I know the Pat Shermer fans out there are going to eat that up. But let's start with the receivers. You, you're absent Mark Clayton this week. For the rest of the – every other week this season, he's gone. So, you know, where do you make up the difference? Amadola is a great player. He's got good hands. I like the guy all around. But, you know, he has a prescribed role. He's that guy you get in behind the coverage, you get in behind the line a little bit and move the chains that way. You know, they need a guy on the outside, and, and right now that's Brandon Gibson and Marty Gilliard. 
can those guys do it 3K? I th- you know, I think so, but the the key is the gameplay. And I know people have been talking about it all week, Churchill Times, Post-Dispatch. I'm sure St. Louis media is blown up with it. You, you can't do it with just people, with individual talent, or at least not the individual talents that we have at the position. When you look at the last game and you look at all the targets Danny M and Dola had, all all that the all, all they had to do to limit that was to flatten the entire defense. You pull in your linebackers, push out your outside linebackers, maybe a yard or two to the side to the outside, and pinch your cornerbacks in, and you can cover that entire level, the only level where we can attack with Amendola. And it absolutely negated everything. The Lions were able to keep him relatively bottled up, despite the fact that we threw the ball at him almost 20 times, I think. So the key yeah. to me is game planning. You've got, you've got to spread the ball out, and not just physically in passing, but spread it in looks. Sam Bradford's first look has to be to various receiving options across the field, right side, left side, up the middle, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. You've got to keep it varied and diverse enough so that the defense can't key in on one area, one receiver, whatever the case may be. The other is you've got to get better protection. You've got to give Bradford enough time to manage the game so that he can go downfield. And obviously passing downfield takes more time of protection than quick strikes do. And you've got to work it all in. You've got to work deep posts in, fly routes. You've got to work in screens. You've got to work in, you know, little dump-off passes to your tight ends and to your running backs. You've got to work in those short slants. It's got to be diverse enough that you make the most out of what you do have and disguise the fact that there's just not that much talent on the roster right now. No, and we've seen glimpses of that this year. You go back to the Washington game, I think you saw a lot of different looks with the offense, and I think that was really the strength of the Rams in that game. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think that was a real strength that the Rams had in that game. But, you know, you go back last week and you wonder, is it, you know, the play calling, uh, that's like I say, that's a conversation in and of itself. But it seems like to me, and I don't know if this is just a rookie thing, but, uh, you know, and I think it is, but, you know, it seems to me that Bradford locks in on his first target and then, you know, he needs to find that or things kind of don't happen. You know what I mean? Like he needs yeah. to, he needed to find Clayton and he needed to find Amadola once Clayton was gone. And we didn't have those guys. It was like you say when they when Detroit smothered Amendola with the coverage like that, it, it was a, pro, a real problem for the Rams. Is that an accurate? You mean is that right? You think that there's something to that? Oh, certainly. I, th- I think part of it is that he may not have enough confidence with the team yet and with his receiving options that he feels comfortable waiting and letting things develop. That's one of the things you see if you watch the Jets right now. Mark Sanchez isn't a great quarterback, but the reason he hasn't thrown any interceptions is that he's getting enough time and he feels comfortable with his team that he can check down to the second, third receivers, and if he doesn't find anybody, then he throws it away. But he's looking at those second and third guys. Too often what Bradford's doing is just waiting and waiting and waiting for the first guy to come open, and then if it doesn't happen, then he tries to create. And he's, he's got to yeah. get more comfortable with saying, look, first guy's not open, okay. Where's my second guy? Second guy's not open, okay. Third guy. He's got to work through those progressions with more confidence and, and more quickness. He's got to work through them quicker and not wait so long for people to get open. If it's not there, it's not there. And that's not the issue with this Rams team. The, the real issue is that we're trying to focus in on the very few threats that we do have, and that, that's not going to get it done as the Detroit game showed. Well, and even if you had Mark Clayton for the rest of the year, eventually, you know, you're going to build up enough film library on a team. Uh, it's going to take that away. I mean, you look at Oakland, you know, you you put Namdi on Clayton and, you know, you shut him down for the whole game. I mean, he had a sure. touchdown, so he was still effective. He was still a factor. But, you know, eventually with Clayton in the offense as the only guy that's getting the ball consistently, 
every game, you know, they're just going to shut him down. It becomes a you know fairly simple strategy in that in that respect. So it, you know, it's it's something where the wide receivers are going to have to step up and give Bradford a little bit of help in getting in their routes, get their timing right, get their routes right. You know, know their assignments, not drop passes. For God's sakes, don't drop passes. That's been a huge issue for the Rams this year, too. I mean, on top of that. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, is drop passes something? I guess that's something maybe you can work on and you can practice, but, you know, I don't know. Who, um, say what? I was going to say, to a degree. There's not. You can't turn somebody that has horrible hands into a great pass catcher. Um, you, you can work on some of the techniques so that the people with good hands get in position to make the most out of them, or on the on the flip side, that the people with bad hands use enough body control to put themselves in position to trap balls against their chest. And and that's what you know. That's what poor pass catchers do is they catch with their body. And so the key with guys like that is you have to put them in a position where they can catch the ball with their body as opposed to their hands. And, and yeah. to me, to me, the biggest difficulty in stretching out the playbook or diversifying the calls, whatever the case may be, is that it puts a lot of pressure on guys like not just Bradford, but Gilliard, Onabon, Hamanawanui, these guys who aren't familiar with the NFL level of play yet. And now as a rookie, you're trying to say, okay, not only do we need you to do your job, but we need you to do it more. We need you to understand the breadth of formations, routes, and everything we're going to ask you to do. Sync up the timing with the rest of the offense and with your quarterback. Understand the nature of your routes and why your zones work the way they do. And be able to make those adjustments when you're running your route. You know, if you've got a little cloud hook that calls for a hook either at six yards or nine yards, you've got to recognize the defense quickly enough to say, okay, here's the hole in defense that I can exploit. Make sure that you're able to do it quickly so that when you do find it, Bradford's got enough time to do it. That's a lot of asking those kind of guys, but I think that's what you got to look to do if, if you're going to get anything out of the offense over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I was getting ready to say, you know, I think Kumana Wanui coming back, hopefully, I, I, you know, that seems like an asset for the Rams, especially a guy like Bradford, because it seems like, you know, what we saw in the preseason with him, yeah, they had a couple of prescribed routes for him, but it also seems like a guy that he's comfortable in – comfortable working with and going back to on his, you know, uh, at least to do the old check down thing, which I know doesn't isn't the most exciting thing, but it does, you know, it can move the chains and he's a big guy with some with with good hands and and some and some ability. I, I think having him back ought to help the Rams offense this week. I mean, hopefully now we'll see, you know, he's not guaranteed to be 100% healthy, so it, you know, sure. anything could happen there, but it's an asset. It's a benefit. And, of course, you've also got Steven Jackson. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I, I, that's its own conversation in that I, I guess I don't get what the game plan is with Steven Jackson. I mean, at times it seems so clear. They're running. They're using the pass to kind of set up those and open up those runs when they get those stacked boxes against Steven Jackson. But then it seems like last weekend – now, I, I know with Seattle it was a little bit of an issue because of his groin injury – that they were bringing him out on third down and some other downs during the game. But last week, and I know his coin wasn't 100% last week, although we did find out after the game that he wasn't wearing that harness. But it seems like they take him out on third downs, which I, I don't always understand why they take him out on third downs. I mean, Jackson's a fairly – you know, he's, it's not one of those running back situations where he's not an ideal third down guy. He's a good third down guy. Um, you know, he's, he's he can block. He can catch, he can run, you know, he's got, you know, he's got it all as far as a running back goes. And you don't see him on third down. And in another place you don't see him, troublingly, you don't see him 
is when they get in the red zone, they really don't seem to use Jackson, and I don't understand that for the life of me. And I understand on third and 15, he's probably not going to run the ball, but I, you know, I, I don't understand why we keep seeing series after series ending in the red zone with incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, kick, you know? Yeah. Does that make any well, sense? I think part of it is the offensive line. We don't we don't have an incredibly physical offensive line. Um, you know, and it's not just the tackles. Uh, Jason Brown is the only person who can really mull in the run blocking game, and, and that shows itself in the stats. In the in the preview of the Chargers game that I threw up, I went through the stats and I'm looking. You know, we're the 11th ranked team in pass protection on the offensive line, but our adjusted line yards for the running game is 27th. And, yeah. you know, when you're looking at advanced stats, I love advanced stats, and you're the statistician, man. I'm just, you know, along to push one and two and make it equal three. But, you know, you're talking about an offensive line that is built on technique and finesse more than it is power and brutality. And that shows itself in the run game because that's what the run game is built on. It doesn't take the finesse and technique that the passing game does. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I wonder if the red zone issue is that, you know, the, the coordinators, the coaching staff knows, look, we don't have an offensive line that is going to get Steven Jackson into the end zone. He's going to have to do it on himself. But in the passing game, at least the offensive line can allow Sam Bradford to create and come up with some things. And we've seen that the end of the half touchdown to, uh, who was it, LaRon Robinson, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You had one, the one to Brandon Gibson at the back of the end zone, the play to Clayton yeah. like we talked about. He can create things if you give him time. And the offensive line's been pretty solid in the passing game. But it's just not getting it done in the running game. It's just not. No, and, and even so, though, you wonder why, I mean, why aren't you even trying to attempt to use, though, Jackson? I mean, Jackson's still the kind, you know, look at last season with Jackson. He still had, I mean, teams were, you know, gaming. I know, this is some, obviously, that's because that was the only thing the Rams had last year. But, you know, this year, I, you, you know, his presence on the field automatically requires a defense to consider him, to factor him in to what they're going to do. And and sure. so I guess you, when you when you know that they're not going to run the ball when you don't consistently see that threat in the red zone, you almost it's almost like you create that mismatch for yourself rather than you know switch it up even if you don't necessarily have the offensive line for it. Sure. And, and I, you know I I don't know I don't know I mean I hopefully that's something we see a little bit more of this week because it seems like even you know. A quick out to Jackson in the flat, you can make some you can make some damage in the red zone to me, but I guess we'll see what happens. Um, you know, three K. There's one other thing I want to say with the offensive line. You know, we've seen a lot more John Greco in there at right guard. You think that's part of the effort to get maybe a little stouter in the run blocking? You know, I, it might be. I, th- I think John Greco is an, imp- an important component, certainly, uh, overall in both facets. The, the key to me is working the inside. I don't think we've done a great job at working the inside of the line. And, uh, you know, w- we've worked around with different personnel, whether it's Hank Fraley, Jason Brown, Jacob Bell. Uh, I think we've seen some Roger Allen in there. There's some different names that have been thrown inside. But, you know, right now we're just not getting it done regardless of who it is. But, uh, Van, I, th- I think we have a caller, man. I want to make sure we, we get our callers on, so I'm going to try to make this oh, yeah. work. Let's see. All right, I think it's good. Oh, I think that was it. I think that was the big tone. Caller? Uh, Hello? Is it? Hello? Wow. 
Welcome Sorry, to Turf Show Radio. Hello? Stupid phone. Hi. Three K. Hello? This is this is Will. Is, am I on? Oh, yeah, you're on, hey, man. Will, you're on. Oh, hello. What What's is going, going on? on? Sorry, some uh, phone Will? malfunctions here. Oh, that's all right. It happens. It happens to the best of us. What's going on, Will? It, How are you today? It happens every week. I'm uh, enjoying a beautiful uh, Saturday afternoon. And uh, quite a lovely fall day. Decided to chime in on some Rams talk. What's on uh, What's on the player with you guys? 3K. What do you think? Well, what's our first question for Will? Well, we were talking about offensive line and Stephen Jackson. I think I think you know I'd love to get Will's perspective on, on the red zone issue. The idea, you know, not just this season but last season as well, that the Rams just haven't been able to use Stephen Jackson at all to any effect in the red zone. What, how do you attribute to that? You know, what what what's the cause of that? Will? Uh, sorry. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm not able to hear you, or 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 if you guys just dropped off, or or, or what. I'm just kind of here to join the conversation, looking for some uh, looking for some reasons reasons for hope. To be honest, on against the uh, Chargers this week. So. Absolutely. What do you what, what do you think? What's your thoughts on the Jackson and the red zone thing? They don't seem to be. Does it seem to you like there's kind of Jackson? In the red zone, is a little MIA. Is it an offensive line issue? Is it a play calling issue? Is it both? What What do you think? Well, uh, it's kind of early to call it a uh, call it a full on trend. I mean, we're kind of seeing um, we're definitely seeing the Rams throw the ball more um, in the red zone, um, but they've also been, rel- been relatively successful at that until this last week. So I think it's a case of the Rams having weapons that they were using, using well, and then suddenly uh, losing one of those big weapons and, and uh, kind of losing themselves in the process, uh, play calling wise. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I just wonder what, do you think that with the receivers we have on board, is there? I mean, is it an answer? Is, is can they compete this week, or are we gonna? Is it just? Is it gonna be kind of a? Is it setting up to be an uglier situation? Well, one of the big things that's gonna that I think is is gonna be a factor is the um, is is field position and the play of the Rams special teams. Uh, the Chargers have one of the weakest special teams units in the league, and it's one of the big reasons why they're still two and three against a relatively uh, mediocre schedule. Um, so I'm hoping that the Rams can set themselves up with uh, better field position uh, with some Marty Gilliard, some Danny Amendola, big plays. Um, and at least and the, the other thing is, is going to be a factor, as it is with any um, against any superior quarterback, is sustaining drives and keeping the Chargers offense off the field. Yeah. 
I, I got a question if I can jump in real quick, Van. A question for you, Will. I mean, you talk about limiting the offensive drives. My, my only concern in doing that is that we see that the coverage has been relatively decent, whether you're talking cornerbacks or the, the deep safeties, and we've been able to create some turnovers from time to time, even the dropped interception by Bartell. I mean, that, that's essentially a turnover. He just didn't finish the play. And especially when it's on third down, they're going to punt the ball anyway. The key to me is that we've been unable to get pressure out of four-man fronts, and that really limits what you can do defensively. Do you, do you think there's any, any way that we can work in something else, whether it's blitzing or not, that, that allows us to get to Phillip Rivers more often this weekend? Because if not, I really think it's going to be a tough game. Well, the key is that if you, you, if you blitz uh, on the outside, you open up an, an immediate hole for Antonio Gates uh, on the, to basically you – know, so if you're blitzing on the side that he's on, um, he's you know you essentially allow him to release into open space. Um, so you have to get pretty sophisticated with how you manage the blitz. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams, whether it's through blitzing or whether it's simply through um, putting five men on the line and then rushing four, uh, you know, some zone blitzing essentially or some zone rush, not always bringing the pressure from the same spots. It seems as though. The Rams were very vanilla last week in how they approached the pass rush. It was always the same four guys. It was always essentially the same approach, and they just got swallowed up. Um, you know, so I'd like to see some more creativity there. And there's something that Spags said in after the Week Four win uh, that, I, that I thought came back to bite him a little bit in Week Five saying that it was it felt much easier to call the defenses when you had the lead. Uh last yeah. week we saw the Rams get behind uh and just stop taking risks essentially. Uh they stopped being showing that aggressiveness on defense. Uh that you know that, that I think that led to, you know, them throttling Seattle the week before and then getting just mm-hmm. thrashed the week after. It was uh, you know, so yeah, it almost seems like they were really using a, a lot more zone zone coverage schemes last week against Detroit than they typically do. And I don't know if that was just because they didn't have the lead or, you know, just, you know, or what. And going back to something with the with the blitzes, it seems like, you know, you saw more creative blitzing, like you mentioned, Will, like, you know, bringing two guys in from the same slot, two guys that aren't necessarily defensive linemen either, you know, like a linebacker and – the strong safety shooting through the same gap. And, and, you know, that was something that worked well, has worked well for the Rams through the course of the year. And even you go back to the Oakland game, the Rams defense did a really good job with that. Um, and, you know, and then last week it was gone. It was totally, absolutely disappeared. It was just those same front four guys doing the same old tricks, and it was fairly easy to pick up and read. And and you'd think they'll get back to that this week with San Diego's line because San Diego's, you know, you've got a quarterback in Phillip Rivers that obviously can make things happen. So, you know, hopefully we see a little bit more of that this week and going forward because I think that's really the only way that you can kind of compensate for a defensive line that is, isn't the strongest unit on the team by any means. Yeah, it's it's Will three K. No, go ahead, Will. It, the thing that is struggling though is that until this last week, the the front four was doing a pretty decent job. Um, while not gathering sacks, Chris Long was amassing pressures um, at a 
very high rates, uh, as high as anyone else, as, as any D lineman in the league. Um, mm-hmm. He was getting hits. He was getting, you know, held, uh, drawing holding penalties. Uh, and Detroit's offensive line is just, there's nothing special about them. You know, uh, no. the, they don't have the size that the Raiders had. They don't have you know, any sterling prospects um, on there, you know, guys that you expect to take a big leap forward. Uh, with the Chargers bringing uh, Marcus McNeil back into the fold, you know, it, it, I think it's, it, the Rams have to try to test him a little bit, you know, and see if he, you know, if he might be a little bit slow in game speed after missing uh, so much time. Um, despite the fact that he's obviously one of the best linemen they have, he might also become a bit of a liability for the Chargers, you know, a, a soft spot. Uh, so the Rams are going to have to try to go right at him. Uh, the Rams, are, and they're going to, like you say, they're going to have to try to get uh, more creative uh, in the way they approach the pressure. Yeah, definitely. When well, this is McNeil's first game of the season, and that's right, isn't that correct? I mean, they just re- yeah. they just kind of signed him to that deal this week, so this is his first game of the season, and that you know, I'm sure he's been in shape and keeping his fitness up, but, you know, it's still your first game of the season. You can, you're can you apt to be a little rusty. I mean, we've seen that before with, with our own players. So, you know, hopefully that's, that is something they can take advantage of. Let's, let's move on. Let's go to the receivers. The hot topic burning up the wires, the Twitters this week, is Denario Alexander. Um, they've activated him from the practice squad, as you know, but he's a rookie. You know, he's coming off four knee surgeries. You think we're going to see very much of Alexander this week? I have my doubts, and not because I doubt the guy's ability. I just, you know, they've been notoriously slow to kind of work in rookies from the practice squad, rookies, period, um, you know, especially at the receiving positions, tight end receivers. So Yeah, we certainly I mean, saw that last year with Brandon Gibson. Um, he, they activated, they, they, they brought him in from, the Philly, uh, from uh, Philadelphia. And then uh, it took, I think, two weeks before he actually saw the field in that Arizona game. Yeah. I yeah, wouldn't I mean, be surprised. you know, he had an impact when he came in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And then he became he he got targeted something like 17 times in that game. It was uh, it was you know, and then think you know, Rams fans all over were thinking, you know, where did this guy come from? You know, why did why haven't mm-hmm. we seen more? Um, I think his wasn't his. I think his New Orleans game was might have been like the best game for any Rams receiver in terms of yardage and catches of any Rams receiver that season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, without looking at the numbers, I, you know, uh, I, I could be right. Go ahead. Sorry, three, three K, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we talk about the wide receivers a lot, but the one position that seems to be, you know, relatively absent from the entire game plan is tight end. And, you know, Daniel Fells has popped off a couple of plays every now and then. And, you know, maybe, you know, once every four weeks you'll see Billy Badgerman with the catch. I know he's been hurt, but he's coming back. And, you know, now now you've got Romano Wanui out there. You've got Fendi Onabun, who even though he's, he's incredibly inexperienced, he's shown the athleticism. He's got ridiculous size. He can do some things. I wonder how much longer, especially now with Mark Clayton out, how much longer we go with the same kind of game plan before almost forcing the tight ends into the game to see what they can open up for everybody else? Do you guys do either? You guys think this will be the week that we see some more from the tight end position? I think, I think you have so. to. 
I mean, with just five wide, five active wide receivers on the roster, and you know, there's still the question of whether or not Alexander will even be active this week. I mean, you're gonna, you just, you absolutely have to bring in the wide receivers. They don't have enough weapons elsewhere not to use the wide receivers more than they have. I think, I think, I definitely think this this could be a good week for that, and and I think it's worth noting that the Rams were really heavy on the tight ends uh, in their two best games of the preseason against the Patriots mm-hmm. and against the Ravens. Uh, both the tight ends got, uh, well, all four tight ends got mixed into the game plan pretty heavily. Whom, uh, uh-oh, is, was, was, I'm still trying to figure out how to say his name. I keep wanting to say Humanawanui. It's, I think it's, uh-oh, Manawanui. But yeah, I think so. In any case, he you know he he became a revelation, but at the same time, he was going up against a, a weak uh, Patriots pass defense that has allowed yardage yeah. to everyone, uh, and the Ravens second string squad. So I think I'm very excited, probably more so by him coming back to full health against the Chargers than I am against uh, than I am about Denario this week. Uh, Long term, mm-hmm. I you know I am very excited about Denario, what he could turn into, but I, I I do have some reservation about how involved he'll be in the game plan. Yeah, and you know one thing about uh oh, it, it, it seems like his hands, like you know you say it's preseason, but he he did seem to show some pretty good hands, which is something you know the the way drops have plagued the Rams this season that could really benefit the team. You know, having a guy that could just flat out catch the ball. Even if yeah. it's not, yeah. you know, on the second side end position, that's, like a, that. that's such a security blanket, and it's been such a problem for the Rams uh, with with um, uh, Randy McMichael, now a Charger, uh, dropping so many critical passes last season. Uh, Daniel Fell's catch rate, I think, is under sixty percent last season. You know, I mean, despite being a better mm-hmm. player, you know, he still wasn't that automatic uh, and. Oh, Manawanui was just brilliant uh, this in, in training camp and in uh, the practices and in the, the limited time that we saw him in the preseason. He caught everything. Uh, it was like, you know, I, it, uh, after one practice, I compared it to like thro- throwing a ball into a mattress. It just, you know, it just landed soft. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. the ball didn't seem to didn't seem to move even. It was just, you know, stuck to him like flypaper. It was so. Uh, yeah, it, it's something that could benefit Bradford quite a lot. It could help him get out of a bit of a funk that he, you know, offensively wise seems to be in. Yeah, and you know he had a tight end. Obviously, he doesn't have Jermaine Gresham in St. Louis, but you know he's a guy that's used to having a tight end to throw to in you know his college days. So. Uh, Hopefully it's a it's a it's a guy that gets to see a lot of action this week. They certainly need it. Turf Show Radio, everybody tuning in. I got five, six, seven people out there listening in on us right now. Tell your friends, tell your family, tune it in before we go off the air. We got Will three Will, Will from Ramsherd.com three K. This is Van Ram. Guys, I'm gonna throw something out to you. Open open session. What's the uh, what's the most? Go around the table here. What is Top line in your head for the Rams this week against the Chargers. What is what worries you? What excites you the most coming into the game this week? Will 
Well, the thing that worries me is that we'll see another defensive performance like last week. Um, mm. I think that we, over the first four games, we we saw the Rams establish an identity, uh, and particularly in their home games, establish uh, a tone of we will not be embarrassed. We will keep this game. You know, we will keep games close. We will keep our team in the game, uh, and at least give our fans reason for pride, if not. Uh, gives them a victory. And in a couple of cases, we saw that, you know, the Rams actually go out and get victories uh, and and play like a winning team. And I think it started mm-hmm. with that defensive identity. Uh, I am, that's my biggest worry and also my my biggest area of hope that is, is, is that the Rams can bounce back, that last week was an aberration. Um, and there were multiple factors last week that I think led to the collapse not just well, but I don't necessarily want to give them a lot of weight. There's there because we don't they're, they're relatively soft factors. Uh, but I felt like the failed onside kick and the, the the loss of Mark Clayton and the fumble uh, by Danny Amendola on the Rams' first answering drive uh, yeah. sort of conspired together to essentially take the air out of the balloon of the Rams. There was, after those after that series of events, it just seemed as though uh, we got caught in a, in a, a spiral of essentially self-defeating, uh, self-defeating play. What, what do you guys, I mean, what, I mean, the, what, what happens with that? I mean, obviously, the, you know, the Rams were capable of playing better than they did, but, you know, you, then that was, those three things all happened in pretty quick sequence. I mean, you had the kick, and then on the, you know, was it the Rams' first or se- I think their second drive of the game, you had Clayton, and then the fumble on that same drive. That's, I mean, how do you explain that? I mean, certainly you don't think, you, I, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they just quit on it, but I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, you know guys just don't go out there and in their head have flipped a switch and, and game over already. But obviously something happened to the performance. It was different. I mean, the coaches were different. The players were different. There wasn't, you know, and that's the, and I guess that's one of the things about football is it's not everything, you know, there's a, there's a psychological factor to to the game that, that really factors heavily into it. But it, it just seems like it. How do you explain that, what, um, what we saw last week with Detroit? Well, I think, if I can jump in, I think to me the issue yeah. wasn't as much the – To me, it didn't feel like everything came out of the team in the first half, at least. The second quarter was really bad. That second quarter, we lost 21-3. to But we were still making some plays. We were trying to stay in the game. You've got to remember, they only had uh, the touchdown. The first touchdown came on that uh, return from Logan uh, at the beginning of the second quarter. That made it 10-3. The Calvin Johnson touchdown made it 17-3 about halfway through. And then right after we got that field goal with a minute 37, they put that real quick drive together that really, really exploited that hole from the outside linebackers and ended up with the yeah. uh, touchdown to Brandon Pettigrew. That put them up 24-6 going into the half. But then the second half, they scored 20 points and we scored none. And that entire second half, we just it, it felt to me watching it that there was no focus from the team, especially on the offensive side. And I think part of that was just the, the, the score – Part of that may have been Mark Clayton, and not necessarily that the team lost faith in itself once Mark Clayton was gone, but that the game plan, there wasn't, there wasn't a pre, predetermined game plan, should we lose Mark Clayton, how do we want to organize this offense? I, th- I think the key 
in terms of this game, is not so much coming out to a good start, but limiting San Diego from a big start. They're a really explosive team that can do a lot of different things with the ball, especially now with the healthy Ryan Matthews. They outgained uh, Oakland last week 500 to about 280 yards. So they, they can they can spread the ball over the place offensively. They can do a lot of things in every facet of the game. The key to me is to make sure that no big plays come from San Diego in that first half and that we at least hang around, hang around. If we can get out in front and make a big play or two, yeah, that's great. But to me, the key is limiting the big plays that San Diego can get done in that first half. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a... Go ahead. San Diego's offense is, is, seems to be essentially just run hot and cold. Uh, you know, they have huge quarters, and then they, you know, they stumble around for a while, and then they have huge quarters again. Um, you know, they got up to a, a really blazing start against Oakland and just buried them. Uh, but the week before, I believe it was, you know, they essentially stunk for three quarters and, and until, uh, you know, it, it got to be, you know, un, un, until the fourth quarter they started to erupt and, and, and keep the game closed. So I believe they ended up covering a spread and, and losing the game um, that, 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 in that week. But it's a, it's a case where, you know, sort of like in the, the Yankees game last night, you can't have too big a lead if you do have a lead against a team like this. Uh, you can't ever take your foot off the throttle, um, and, and you have to an- anticipate that they're going to throw big punches because it's the, that's the makeup of this Chargers team. Uh, what I'd like to see is the Rams capable of throwing big punches themselves, as they were doing in the in the in, in the first four games of the season, and particularly the two wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 and I agree with you, 3K, about the lack of game plan without Mark Clayton. It just it, there there was a a lack of focus, and it just seemed as though the one positive thing they they had going, and that was the running game of Steven Jackson, they couldn't capitalize on it. They couldn't use it to open up holes in the passing game. Um, they couldn't use it to mount longer long scoring drives. You know, and 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 in a game where you have Jackson going for almost 120, you'd think that there'd be more than six points on the board. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too. You know, the, again, the Washington game, the Rams lost Steven Jackson for the whole second half, but they still, I mean, and I don't know, the game planning, I guess, with Ken Darby isn't dramatically different than what you have with Steven Jackson. Obviously, you know, you don't get, you know, I think it's like we've said on here before that a six-yard run for Steven Jackson is a three-yard run for Ken Darby, but it's, you know, the game plan didn't change that much. They didn't, I mean, you know, with Jackson on the sideline, there was still that, it wasn't that, the, the, you know, you didn't feel that the, the, obviously the game was never over. They came right back out after that Washington field goal and went down the field and scored a touchdown. Um, you know, and I and I guess maybe you have to factor in the the rookie quarterback losing his top wide receiver, that obviously he's the first guy he looks to. You know, he doesn't have, when Clayton's not there, he, he's looking... He started, obviously, they just went heavy with Amendola. That's how he ends up with 19 targets in the game. Um, you know, this will be a bounce-back game. This will be an interesting game to watch from a Rams perspective just to see how they, A, how Bradford looks without that security blanket he developed with Mark Clayton, and, B, just how the team as a whole responds to that loss because it was such a lopsided, ugly loss that I think it took everybody by surprise a little bit after two pretty strong wins against Washington and Seattle. 
that and you know looking at a team like the Rams, you got a rookie quarterback, it's so young over throughout the roster that yeah, I mean and you can look ahead, you look at the schedule, you know that's not you know there were games like that that were bound to happen. I mean, you know that at some point the Rams are going to make some terrible terrible mistakes and look like a terrible team on the field and and, and lose some ugly games, but um, you know, how they come back and how they respond to that will be an interesting interesting um, case study of the team. And, and I go back, and even looking at last year, which, you know, they were terrible all season, but you kind of go and look at the statistical measurements of the Rams after those big, terrible, nasty losses, and they would tend to play better the week after. And certainly you saw that in the first week of the season after the Seattle game. And then you go back, you know, like you take – Look at, take, take a look at the, how they played in the New Orleans game, for instance, a game they almost won against the eventual Super Bowl champions. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that factors in this week. It, it'll have to for them if they want to if they want to continue through the season and not and not get rid of. Hey, man, if we could, man, we got we got a caller online. I want to. Oh, Ooh, let's and we bring just the caller call on. Uh, we lost him right when I was bringing him on. Six oh nine area code. I saw you were calling in. We're about to patch you up, man. If you want to call back, hit us up. It's like fishing. You know, you go, you've got a fish on the line, and you think you're going to reel it in, it's going to be a great day, and you get the call, you press the button, and bam, it's gone. Takes the bait and runs. So call her, call us back. Don't leave us hanging. Don't leave this fishing expedition for quality radio content hanging yeah. hanging by a thread. But it was a good point, Gentlemen, man, you made that. Yeah, I just think it was a good point you made that it's going to be interesting in terms of the character of this team to see how they bounce back from the loss. You know, in terms of the way the media is going to treat it, if we see another big loss from the Rams, you know, the implosion, the the destruction, the snowball effect, everybody's going to say, okay, this is the 2009, 2008 Rams back to their losing ways. The two wins were nice while they lasted, but they found a way, you know, back into that comfortable mode of getting blown out. So I think it's important to avoid that. Uh, almost at all costs because you really want to maintain the, the perception and the reality that this is a changing team and that the, it's radically different, not just different, but radically different from the Rams of seasons past. Yeah. 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 I think there's a, there's a couple of things that this, that, that this brings to mind. Uh, one is that we kept, during the Detroit game, we kept hearing uh, folks on, you know, on Twitter, whether it's Bernie Nicholas or Tony Softley, uh, or you know, but you know, sort of the the, the big power uh, Rams watchers say, let's he- see how they respond to this. Let's see how they come out in the second half. Well, let's see if they show some life. Let's see if they, re- you know, how they respond to this. They were looking for that in-game response and didn't get it. And now I think that you know, like like we're not the only ones looking for a big next week response from this team. And you know, if they if what happens if we if we don't get it if we if the Rams fall flat against a very, you know a, a better certainly a better quality opponent than the Detroit Lions, um, I wonder if you start if the seat starts to get warm under Steve Spagnuolo. Um, it, it's not. It'd be it's hard not where, to think that it would. Yeah. What's that? I said it just it's hard not to think that it would. I mean, it's one thing. You know, to expect the Rams. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody, front office and Stan Kroenke included, you know, seriously expects, you know, a nine-win season or anything like that from the Rams this year. But, you know, if if they're going in and losing, if their game, if their losses are blowouts and ugly and they're not 
responding well to adversity, then it's hard to imagine that the hot seat doesn't get hotter. To me, hey guys, I mean, I'm a, I'm we got, a we got our caller guy. back from the six hundred nine. Just want to see if we can bring him back on. If you're on, let's bring him let on. Let us know. What's going on, guys? Hello. How you guys Who doing? Who are we here? talking to? Oh, uh, this is John from the six hundred nine. John from six hundred nine. What's up, my man? What's on your mind? Nothing, nothing much, man. I'm just listening to your conversation right now, and I, I agree. I I didn't expect the to seem to get hot for Spags. Now, if we play like we played last week, because it seems like after Clayton went down, their minds were gone. And the only two that yeah. seemed focused was Jackson and Bradford. Only two. And then I, get, I saw one play on the sideline when Jackson came out. He was screaming. And I don't know what he was mad at or how – I guess he was mad at how, how we were playing, but I just saw that emotion. I didn't see it from anybody else. Same thing I saw from Bradford, forcing balls, putting heat on balls, and those, that's where the two picks came from, I thought. He was having mm-hmm. a really decent game, and then he tried to just make a play. He's like, I, I want to go out like this. And then I guess the real thing that got him mad was the suit pick, and that's when he really, really started forcing balls. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point, man. That's a real good with- point. With a young, with a young player, I mean, you want him to take ownership of a team. You want him to take ownership of that game, it's particularly you know from the quarterback position. But uh, you know, it's it, it, it's a situation where maybe you're on. You know, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe he tried to do too much. You know, he maybe he, you know, by by forcing passes into double coverage or you know into places. Zip, you know, I, I saw a few passes that honestly I had I didn't. He, he hasn't always been known as a guy with a really strong arm, and he, you know, threw balls as hard as I've ever seen through, you know, relatively short, simple routes. And, you know, you saw receivers surprised by how fast the ball was coming at them and not able to get their hands up in time. You know, it's a situation yeah. where I, his his competitiveness, his his fire it was certainly on display, but at the same time, he you know, he needs to, maybe he needs just to be able to manage that a little bit better. Um play within himself and and, and uh, not let that, that emotion get destructive to the game plan. Well, it, it's, a, it's a facet of discipline because, you know, and, and coaches will talk about it all the time. You've got to stay disciplined within the boundaries of what your expectations are. The Sioux interception came in the fourth quarter, and, you know, we were already down 31 to, to 6. So in terms of what Bradford's trying to do, certainly he's going to try to make plays because you're down so much and there's so little time left. You've got to try to create what you can given your position. And, you know, knowing the quarterback can do so much, he's going to try to make the most out of it. But when you've got a game plan that is breaking down and you're down so much, you've got to stay within the boundaries of your game plan, whether that means wide receivers maintaining their routes, maintaining their areas that they're supposed to attack, whether that's cornerbacks maintaining the kinds of coverage they're supposed to have and trusting the rest of the defense to cover the other spots. You know, the idea that when you've got a cover in the cloud zone on the sideline, that safety is going to have your help behind, that linebacker is going to have you underneath. You've got to be willing to trust that. If you try to do too much and take that, take that away from your teammate, it opens up the hole that you're supposed to have. Same thing on offense. If you're, if you're blocking on offense and instead of it, it, ensuring that you've got that first-level block 
you jump to that suck, second level block, it's going to prevent the play from, you know, from existing in the first place. You've got to have the discipline. And I think a lot of that is, you know, the issue of a young team, an inexperienced coaching staff that's really, you know, doesn't have a lot of seasons under his belt, certainly doesn't have a lot of important football under his belt, meaningful football. So I think we're we're just, you know, I think part of it's the growing pains of a team that's trying to find how, how do I keep this up? How do I maintain the consistency of success for a franchise that hasn't had it in a long, long time? Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You know, I'm going to take something you said, Will, just about how hard Bradford was throwing some of those passes. And it's almost it's like you see in baseball sometimes, with especially you know with some younger players, you going up the the mentality of of of, of just you know going up to the plate and swinging absolutely as hard as you can when that's really not necessarily the ideal thing to be doing in that situation. And I think you saw a little bit of that with the Rams last week, especially from some of the younger guys. Jeff, you know, Bradford obviously. Saffold, a guy that's been solid all season, has grown and had good games, and then he did not have a good game last week. He was really kind of, you know, he, I would say he didn't play up to his ability last week. And it's harder to, you know, to 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 translate that to the offensive line, a blocker versus, you know, where you see that with a quarterback making passes. But, but you, you know, that's something you probably have a little bit to deal with, with a young, young team like that. That's certainly a challenge, I think, for the coaches and for the players to – to overcome this week. Yeah. Guys, Something other thoughts I'm, I'm on your mind? To see. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, go No, no, go I was going to say something I'm hoping to see in offense is that is is a return to the uh to success in the street in the screen game because that was something that mm. the Rams were doing exceptionally well against Seattle. And the screen game, you know, just like you say 3K is dependent on you know, a whole swarm of players executing at the same game speed and, and, and having a, a trust with each other um, to, to make to make the play work. You know, you've got to have, you know, whether it's letting letting a, a, a rush, a, a defensive lineman get past you so that, you know, you can essentially, so you can become a part of that armada that's blocking and trusting your quarterback to be mobile enough to, to to, to make the play work, um, or you know, it, or whether it's you know, simply you know, executing right off the snap and and taking taking advantage of a defense, taking making the right read off the defense uh, that's playing soft on a receiver. Um, the the Lions really did an exceptional job of just blowing up the Rams' screen game at all you know, at, at nearly every front, um, taking away wide receiver screens. Uh, Getting to the getting getting to the quarterback too faster, you know, whether it's Kyle Vandenbosch with some exceptional uh, exceptional speed rushes, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's fast enough to to blow up plays and just it disrupts the timing of the Rams' offense. And, and I think that's where you, you, we saw some of the you know just the, the Rams just basically fall apart and, and and Bradford just stand in the pocket and start scanning the field looking for somebody to sling it to rather than execute this precision game, this timing game. So that's something I'm I'm looking for the Rams to try to get back. You know, I think that's an important part of their offensive identity. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something you saw with the screens last week. It wasn't, I, you know, I didn't get the sense so much that it was Detroit just totally blowing them off as it was, you know, that they just weren't. I mean, they weren't happening quite as smoothly as they were against, you know, in, in Seattle against Seattle. Guys, we're, it looks like we're up against the 6 o'clock hour here, 6 o'clock central time. Um, so 
So uh, I'm going to throw it out. Last thoughts, Will. It's been good to have you on board today. Any any parting shots here? Uh, well, you know, I'm just I, I I really hope that the Rams play with a, uh, a, a more of an identity this uh, this game. You know, more of a, a sense of defending the dome. Uh, I think that. I'm looking for Chris Long to have a big game in response to last week. I think in the training camp, he came out and established himself as a big part of that Rams defensive identity. And for him to get shut out, um, you know, essentially not rewarded for his hard work, uh, is I think that's something that, you know, I'd really like to see him get that reward this week and reclaim that, you know, that help reclaim that defensive identity for the Rams uh, and, you know, he's already done the work in helping, you know, and, and other players have been benefiting from it, whether it's Fred Robbins or uh, uh, James Hall, um, you know, doing, you know, also doing good work and getting their rewards for it. I really want to see Long get that uh, get that this week. Uh, absolutely. That's a good, great point, great point. John from 609, you still on the line? No, nah, John dropped, man, but I, I would definitely want to thank John for coming on. You know I love my callers on Turf Show Radio. So thanks. Big up to Jersey, John. Absolutely. 3K, it's, um, you know, we've, we've here we are. This is what a different situation we're in with the Rams. We have filled an entire hour with regular season talk, and we haven't already jumped over to hot and heavy draft talk. With that, yeah. though, I'm going to reward the longtime TSR listeners, the longtime TSR the TST readers, everybody out there who loves college football. 3K, you had a great watch list this week. Um, thoughts, a couple parting shots related to college football for, for, for some people to be taken away from the show today. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many good games uh, tonight. I guess I'll stick with the one I had on the watch list. That's Wisconsin-Ohio State. It was the one that uh, game day covered for ESPN this morning. I mean, there's there's some great talents there. On the Wisconsin side, the, the key talent over there is probably uh, Gabe Karimi, the offensive tackle. He, if I had to guess right now, I'm guessing he's the top of the second offensive tackle prospect. But he's a long arms, solid bulk. He he, he could factor in on almost any any NFL roster on day one. Really strong. Uh, they got a defensive end, JJ Watt, who's a uh, really strong run stopper. Got some good bulk and a uh, really quick off the snap. That's on the Wisconsin side. Um, Lance Kendricks is a tight end, but obviously the Rams aren't really in the mix for a tight end with all these guys that we got coming up the system. But on the Ohio State side, there's a, there's a lot of interesting people that I think have factored for the Rams. Obviously, the premier guy is Cameron Hayward. A lot of people know about him because he's such a obvious game changer at the defensive end position. He does so many things. Uh, Ross Holman, if you haven't seen Ross, he's an outside linebacker. And if I had to oh, guess, I'd perfect. put him third round. Say again? Did somebody jump in? I was all perfect. Ohio State linebackers. That's you know. Yeah, exactly. We might as well just keep it going. But you know, Ross is a really strong outside linebacker prospect. He's a little bit quicker than Larry Grant, so he can do some things that we don't have on the roster right now. And they've got guys coming up the pipeline that are going to change too. Brian Rolls, another one. He's a senior outside linebacker, but he he's not nearly as quick. He's much bulkier. He's you know he reminds me of Larry Grant, Neil Diggs. Plays a lot stronger in the run game than he does the pass. But uh, a lot of, lot of offensive line guys. they got a center, Mike Brewster and Mike Adams on the outside to tackle. Of course, everybody knows Terrell Pryor. Um, but another another name that people throw out there is DeVere Posey, a wide receiver. Uh, I saw a mock draft earlier in the week that had us taking him in the second round, I think. So that that's definitely another name to keep an eye on, and he'll make plays. And, 
You know, even John Simon, he, he's a really strong player. He's a sophomore defensive tackle that I really like. He can do a lot of things. Really big, but quick for his size. He's somebody to keep an eye on. He's got great hips for a defensive tackle. Really, really shifty hips. Excellent. So, uh, if, I, if I can jump in on the college game real quick, because a lot of folks are yeah. trying to generate buzz about the Rams' first-round needs next year, uh, really looking at A.J. A. Green or uh, Julio Jones. Do you see the Rams going after one of those two big guys, and are, you, are they are they both you know in in a top ten, top fifteen type of uh, type of uh, uh, caliber in your in your mind? Oh, definitely, they, they both are. And to me, those are the only two wide receivers that warrant it. They, they right now they're the only two in my top tier, and I don't see that changing. But I've been high on those two for a long, long time. You know, people talk about Michael Floyd and John Baldwin, but the deficiencies in their game, the inconsistency of their production. Is, is too blatant to ignore. And when you look at guys like Julio Jones and A.J. Green, they bring it every single game, and they bring it in the SEC where you're facing serious, serious competition. Great cornerbacks, great secondaries, great linebackers that are taking away the shorter routes, and, they do, and they've got great hands for wide receivers, both of them. So, yeah, I, I definitely see both of them as top, I'd say the top 12. I could see both of them going in the top 12 picks. As to whether or not the Rams take them, I mean, that, that takes in a lot of front office strategy for a front office that hasn't really gone after wide receivers that early. But, you know, now that Sam Bradford's on the table, that may be what, the, what this front office needs to do is bring a consistent target, a Mark Clayton, but younger, bigger, and with more talent to lead, you know, to help this team get it together over the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two becomes the pick for us next year. Yeah, I think that uh, whether it's uh, – Wide receiver or defensive defensive end is, is are probably the two positions where you can upgrade most with that elite top tier talent. Um, sure. So I, I see one of those two being the being the one of those two areas being the pick. Um, I also expect the Rams to try to re-sign Clayton and bring him back on just because he seemed to establish he seemed to establish himself so quickly. Uh, and has such a, uh, a leadership presence on the on the yeah. team. You know, uh, that's one of the things that consistently, you know, other players on the team were were lauding about having Clayton on board. It was his, his the, the kind of leadership that he brought, the veteran experience, and and just the calm, the the the, the trust that he engendered. Uh, so I don't, I, I definitely don't take lightly the effect that his injury could have had, and I definitely don't take lightly the potential impact of bringing him in long term uh as a uh as a guy who contributes to the Rams. But pairing him yeah, with and, a, uh, and it's, it's, an elite talent on the other side, you know, that would be that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Well, and it's hard to, you know, bringing Clayton back at this point would be a fairly low risk move for the Rams. Low risk, high reward even if he doesn't replicate, you know, what he's shown in the with the receptions and the yardage so far. It's like you say, Will. I mean, it, you know, he brings that presence to the team, that steady hand, kind of. That that would be a that would be an asset for a team that will be one year older, but still pretty young next year, all, all around. I think it forces a difficult decision on a player like Donnie Avery, though. You know, Definitely. yeah. Especially if the, if the Rams do go with a you know premier guy in the first round next next season, um, what do you do? You know, you have this logjam suddenly of 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 at a position. Um, you know, certainly that gives you the luxury of making uh, making a move. But what you know, do you, what you know, and maybe it's a bit early to think about this. But you know, do you think Avery still has a 
strong chance at the future with, as a Ram? You know, he, he's got a four-year deal, and this will be this upcoming year. That will be 8, 9, 10, 11. This will be his fourth year under contract. Um, you know, to me it's a make-or-break year, and I don't see that he has a guaranteed spot on the roster, depending on what happens with free agency in the draft, you know, injury recovery, things like that. But, you know, that, you know, whereas coming into this year it was about more whether he had to, whether what, what he needed to do to lock down the number one job. Now it's, you know, what does he need to do to lock down a job, period, if not, you know, be more than just a depth guy on the team? That's a that's a big issue. That's a big question they're going to have to answer with Avery next year. That's just my take on it, but I, you know, not. No, I, I agree. how you could count on him, given what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I was going to say, I think it really relies on his preseason. He'll be back just because we've got him under contract and he's still got a speed aspect that we don't have anywhere else on the offense. But when you talk about guys like Brandon Gibson, whether it's Denario Alexander, Amendola, Marty Gilliard, LeRon Robinson, there's an opportunity for one of those guys to come out now and have their career season. Obviously, some of them are rookies. LeRon Robinson hasn't been healthy in St. Louis. And then, you know, some of them obviously aren't rookies. But it's a chance to really have a breakout season, that first real big season of their careers. And if that happens, think about who you're bringing in. If we draft a wide receiver, you've got Mark Clayton, a drafted wide receiver, and whoever has a big year this year out of those crew that I just mentioned, where does Donnie Avery fit in? He's going to have to work his way back above those guys. So to me, Donnie yep. Avery's career with the Rams really rests on that preseason that he has going into the 2011 season. Well, and, and it's chemistry, just, you know, with and the, chemistry with the franchise man, you know, chemistry with the franchise quarterback is, you know, is such a precious commodity. Sure. And, and that receiver, oh, yeah. whether it's Amendola or Gibson or both, you know, if they their their chances to establish that chemistry gives them such a huge head start against a player like Avery, even though Avery's been longer tenured with the team. Yeah, and, you know, this team has – now, Avery was a, an 08 draft pick, which was when Devaney was in-house. He wasn't the general manager. But, you know, this team has not been shy about parting with, um, you know, players that kind of have that link to the past at all. And, uh, you know, that's yeah. something that yeah, it's true. works against Avery in and of itself. But, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to take what we just said about Avery, though, and apply that to everybody else in the receiving core. Now, obviously, Gilliard's a little bit different, but, you know, everybody – in the that has WR in front of their position listed on the Rams roster is, you know, this is an evaluation year because none of those guys have seen, have proven, have established themselves, and they certainly nobody has, you know, made themselves indispensable to the cause. So, you know, this is a good chance now with Clayton out and, you know, big moves unlikely to happen on the trade market or anything like that. It, it's a... You know, these guys have to establish themselves, if not only for their future with the Rams, but for their future in the NFL. I mean, you look at a guy like Brandon Gibson, Laurent Robinson especially. I mean, this is a guy, I don't know that he, he's definitely not a Ram next year if he doesn't do anything this season. And I know he's been injured so far, and he's kind of struggled to get over that, but he's a guy that's been injured his entire career so far, too. So, uh, you know, these guys don't establish themselves this season. You know, they don't have a guaranteed roster spot, in my opinion. And then, you know, that goes to the coaches, too. It's like, you know, you've got to get these guys out there and, and let them see what, you know, let them see what they can do, too, with the opportunity. So, Guys, I hear the cops coming for us. I think that may be an omen. That yeah. is a sign, gentlemen. I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to go eat some dinner. We're going to have some fun. We're going to watch some playoff baseball night. 3K, give us a Rangers update real quick. 
Seven two, top of the eighth, man. We just brought on Darren Oliver, who was he was just awesome in game one. Great job, Darren. Way to go, blowing that five nothing lead. Nah, we got another five run lead, top of the eighth. So it looks like we should be able to actually hold a five run lead tonight. All right, well there you go, everybody. Will from Rams Herd, check it out, everybody. Ramsherd.com. Will, thanks again. Come back anytime. It's always good to have you. Always good to talk to you on the Twitter machine and elsewhere around the interwebs. Yep, I will be representing 3K. from the dome tomorrow. Uh, so I'll be on 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 Twitter with uh, live updates and 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 whatnot. Uh, feel free to follow in, join the conversation. It's always a good time. The more the merrier. Excellent, Will. Thank you. And you're at Rams at Ramsherd is your Twitter ID. That's correct. So punch that in tomorrow, everybody. Will's going to be at the game, giving you the live feed, the live updates. Check it out. 3K, you and I will be doing it CBS style tomorrow. Man, you know Slow, how we do. I'm Pat old Summerall. school. I, I still don't understand the whole Twitter handles. That's not my thing. But that's the great thing about having guys like Will. You know, great blogs like Rams Gab and, of course, Rams Herd. And, you know, Will, Will drops the coolest infographics. They're rare, but I love them when he does them. The Twitter, the connection, that on-the-ground, you know, you know, real blog kind of access. You just don't get that kind of quality stuff. Uh, very often in the NFL in general, and especially for the Rams. So, Will, thanks for coming on. Keep up everything you do, brother. Hey, thanks, guys. You do the same. See you later, Will. All right. Go Rams. Man, you know, all I got now is go Rams. You know it. That's all I got to say. 3K, as always, it's been good. 3K, you're going to be kicking it in over at Mocking the Draft a little bit this year. Is that correct? Yeah, I got brought on as a writer. You know, I've been doing these mock drafts and some other things, so I think I'm going to open it up for a little bit more uh, specific scouting and try to detail what it is that goes into the mock drafts and how I approach my scouting. Well, that's good. That's good news for draft fans, and that's good for Rams fans and PSTers alike. 3K, it's been a good TSR. I'd say it's been a very, very special TSR, if anything. It has. It's been a good show, man. All around, good show. Go Rams 3K, and I'll see you online tomorrow, bud. Yeah. Go Rams. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. 
Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.